Well, hello, um, Pastors Positive Mental Health Institute. Um, this is Kirk, Dr. Kirk, Dr. K, Dr. T, Dr. Tripp, or Kirk. That works fine, just me. Anyway, just naming myself all these fun things, right? Hey, I just want to encourage you, if you like this, please share it. Please share it with a pastor. Please share it with church members. Uh, this is something that um, I'm passionate about. Obviously, it's what I did my extensive thesis and my work in. And I really desire uh, for churches to flourish. And so uh, please, you know, reach out to me. Uh, you can go on to the Facebook, Pastors Positive Mental Health Institute, and you can reach out to me, uh, give me a direct message there. Um, you can also email me at drtripletpmh at gmail.com. That's D-R-T-R-I-P-L-E-T-T-P-M-H at gmail.com. Uh, please share this. Uh, please subscribe. Don't miss an episode. All that stuff. Okay, advertising commercials out of the way. Let's dive into the material today. So I'm going to take a blog today uh, by Jill Waltz. And, and the reason I'm doing that is because sometimes it's interesting for us to take um, just kind of what is the word on the street, what's being said about pastors. And so this title was is, or the article title is 14 Things Your Pastor Wishes You Knew. And I found some of these interesting, so we'll just go through these, right? Kind of like we did last week, we're just going to go through these things. We're going to discuss them, kibitz a little bit about them, as a friend of mine would say, and we're just going to see what we can do to, to really help and understand uh, where pastors are at. I found that most of these things in this in this blog that she wrote to be actually fairly true from the studies that I have done, from the pastors that I have interacted with. And so um, I don't find it too far of a stretch. And I think it's, again, one of these things to bring awareness, to help the people in the church grow together, to build one another up in love, as Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4. And we really desire more than anything is for pastors to be able to successfully do their job, because as the Barnos study just said recently, uh, within the last year, 46% of pastors have considered quitting. And then we do see a big uh, churches are clothing, pa pastors closing, pastors are quitting, and there are not new pastors to fill those positions. And so we want to really see what we can do. So again, I encourage you, as a church member or as a pastor, share this blog, share this video, share my materials, reach out to me. Um, I, I do conferences. I'm doing one at the beginning of October in Louisiana. And so I encourage you to reach out to me. I don't cost a lot. Actually, I'm pretty cheap. Uh, you get me there, I'll talk to your people. So let's uh, just go through this article. First thing that the author comments on is that ministry is lonely. She says, few people will understand the weight of leading in ministry. And I would say that that's true. Uh, one of the things that I've discovered is even when you have a surrounding staff, uh, they can talk about ideas and they can criticize uh, and, and whatnot, but they aren't the final one that makes the decision. Now, even in a congregationally run church, they still look to the pastor. So when something is, you, you, you know, in fact, it's interesting during COVID, one of the things that a lot of us discovered was that, that people didn't want to make decisions. They're like, I don't know what to do. That, that was my experience in my church. We would meet as elders and we'd say, well, here's what the information is now. And they go, I don't know. And so I would have to come up with the suggestions and get them all to say, yeah, let's do that. And so I think that, again, it's one of those things where you find that, that ultimately the buck stops with the pastor. And no matter how what kind of government you have set up in your church, uh, ultimately 
apparently that's what people are looking to, and it can be lonely at times. And pastors have a hard time being vulnerable with others. Pastors have a hard time having friends within the church. And so we need to understand something. Pastors, I encourage you to have somebody in the church that you can be as vulnerable as you can with, obviously, right? But be yourself with, be open with. I try to be myself in the pulpit, outside of the pulpit. Um, it's hard to do, though, because, you know, you're, you're on focus. You're on task on a Sunday morning. Uh, you're on task at a Bible study. And so, but I encourage you also, uh, don't, don't be afraid to share with others, too, that you're lonely, and you want some companionship. You need you need some time just to hang out with the guys, or or you need this, and and so don't don't be afraid to do that. A lot of pastors uh, actually do counseling because of this is one of the reasons why because of the pressure of the ministry. Anyway, ministry is often all that a pa- that a pastor knows. I found that to be a very very interesting. Um, comment. Now, a lot of people um, are doing pastoring as a second career. So they retire from one and now they're going to pastor for another 10, 15 years. That's great. Uh, but a lot of pastors, young people, they are they go into seminary and they come out. All they know is how to pastor. And so, um, and many of them uproot their family and they move because of the church and they move to a new town, a new church. And what happens is all they know is that church family. And so it, it's hard. That can be isolating too. Um, and it's also difficult because pastors have the heart for the community. And if they're not from the community, they have to get to know the community and we have to give them the avenue and the ability to do that. And so, and a lot of times they don't have family support either. And so all they know is the church. So we need to know that. A ministry is never ending. It's 24-7, 365 days a year, 366 every fourth year, right on leap year. Um, And that is true. Um, Some people talk about how pastors need to set up boundaries to where they don't answer a phone call after nine o'clock or they don't, uh, that they encourage their congregation not to call them uh, during uh, dinner time hours. Listen, that's not how it works. Um, You can't schedule tragedies. You can't schedule these things. Uh, I think what things that would bug me, hmm, I'll just share this. Sometimes I get weird calls that really, you know, Saturday afternoon, hey, you know, just checking out what you're doing. I was wondering, you know, what you think of the weather or I was wondering uh, what you think of that news report that I saw. You don't need to call me about that. You know, you don't need to call me about that. Um, you can call me or come see me uh, um, uh, about the weather on Sunday. Uh, so, but but I think that you know the reality is most of the calls that you get after hours are calls you don't want to get, right? I mean, I get those calls, uh, you know, 12, 1 o'clock in the morning and and a suicide has happened, a car accident has happened. I had one time at 2 o'clock in the morning, I got the call that someone had had hit a pedestrian with their car. Um, you, you know, you got to go down and walk through that. Uh, those aren't the calls, but you're on call all the time. And so it's one of those things where can we really let down? Can we really, even on vacation, um, if you're within cell phone range and if you're uh, dumb like me, um, you 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 have your Wi-Fi so you can look at your email all the time and get texts. Anyway, uh, we sometimes lose sight as pastors of the fact that we are supposed to serve Jesus and not the church. Wow, this is a pretty good insight here because the reality is we're called by Jesus to serve Jesus in the capacity of serving the church, but we serve Jesus Christ and through our service to Christ, 
then we can serve the church. And and sometimes that gets out of balance, and we find ourselves uh, running after the church, trying to to meet every person with every single need. We try to head on every criticism, every suggestion we try to fulfill, and, and we realize, wait a second, what does Jesus want for this church? I serve Jesus first and not the church. So that's good to know. But at the same time, that doesn't mean you can ignore the suggestions of people. It doesn't mean that you can ignore where they're at in life. Um, It's tough. Another thing that they say is it's tough to not take things personally. No matter how much you guard, you always... Listen, I had a pastor say, and I've said this in other podcasts and whatnot that senior pastors are the most insecure people that you'll ever meet. And I, and I think that there's some truth to that. I don't know if I would say it that way. What I would say is that because we believe that what we do is sacred work and we're dealing with the hearts and the spiritual lives of eternity with people, that we wear that weight in a different way than just a normal job that's trying, just different than a life coach, right? I just want you to do better today. No, we're talking about eternity here. And, and we lead with our heart. It's sacred work. And so when we feel and because we're we're so stressed about that work and we know that we're relying on the Holy Spirit all the time to do that work in and through us but when someone has a criticism or we think that we have let someone down we take it personally listen um, I was in a music ministry for a number of years in this one large church I went to it took two years before they stopped putting uh, comments in the offering box about the way I led music you got you got to realize is that sometimes people just with change and the things are different and then seasons in their life. Um, and you're an easy target as a pastor. Um, and some, another thing they say, the families often pay the price for a call. It's true. It's true. Um, uh, my wife has been so supportive, uh, but the reality is, is that, that uh, we um, have had, I think we've been married 32 years at this point of this video. And I would say that out of those 32 years, over 20 of our anniversaries has have fallen at some church event, usually vacation Bible school. I've done weddings on, on our anniversary. Um, and these are just the, the, the facts that happen that they take second place. Um, and, and, you, and pastor, I want to encourage you, do your best to protect your family. Do your best to intentionally spend time with your family. It's hard, it's hard, it's hard, it's hard, it's hard. Don't feel guilty for it, though. Your family needs you. Take it from someone who, by the grace of God, my, my kids are are doing you know, pretty good as adults and they love Jesus. Uh, but if it weren't for my wife and the amount of time she poured into them, um, I don't know where they would be because I was not present because I was so 80-hour weeks and whatnot, and just really being involved in the ministry. Um, and so um, had, having to do it again, I wouldn't do that. And I, and I also, pastors, if you have staff, especially young staff members, um, are, I want to encourage you to, and then volunteer members too, I want to encourage you to protect, protect them um, and their eagerness and their energy and their willingness, protect them from um, overworking and becoming burnt out in the ministry. In fact, I just had a talk with my worship assistant and technical director yesterday. That sounds so official, right? Um, about how, you know, where Christmas Eve is on a Sunday and, and he hasn't taken any real Sundays off. And I told him, I said, you know, if you need to spend time with family, feel the freedom to have that day off. Uh, I can handle a Sunday, uh, especially on those. I can handle those services. Love to have you here, but you know your family's four hours away, 
If you need to go spend time with them, please feel the freedom to do that. And I do that because I've been in the position where I didn't feel the freedom to do that. I felt the abuse of pressure to always be there at every meeting, at everything. And um, I don't want somebody else. To, I want people to enjoy the ministry. And one Sunday, even if it is Christmas Eve, it's one Sunday. You know, there's 51 others that he's been at and attended. And so I, I think that it's one of those things and he served at that we just need to be we just need to be careful that we're cognizant. Now there's the flip side. We don't be so that oh show up whenever you want. No. We we need to be strategic with them because that is that is their calling and their job. But we want to make sure that we're helping them uh, be protected from burnout. Um, the pressure to perform weekly weighs heavily. And that's, you know, that's a tough thing, the pressure to perform. I mean, you know, we don't want to call it that, but the reality is that's what we're doing. We're standing in front of others. We're expected to have something to offer to them that they can take with them as they leave and they're getting sent throughout the week to do the work of the ministry because we gather and we scatter, right? This way do God called us and he saved us so that we can be sent not to sit and all these things. And so we want to give them something and you want to be on the best of your game. And we, we labor over sermons, we pray over them, and we think about them, we review them, we review them, we think about the examples that we're going to give, and we pray and we hope that these are things that work and that stick and meet people exactly where they're at. We're not just dealing with, you know, I'm teaching a lesson through math. Whether they get it or not, now ah, we can go over it again. No, this is, we're teaching life. We're teaching eternal life here. And so it's one of those things where it does weigh heavily upon the pastor. Often we uh, find our value in our success as a pastor. This is tough for many of us. We're, we're in a, a numbers and a return on investment um, cu culture. And so we look at the numbers and, and, you know, obviously I think that numbers are an indication not the only indication of your success as a pastor. I had a pastor I served with uh, years ago, and and he was faithful. The church didn't grow rapidly, um, and he was faithful. And he was kind of down. He goes, "Hey, give, you know, just give me a, a, you know, what you think." I said, "Well, I said we serve a ministry in molasses, but let's look at." Uh, and he really got a kick out of that. But let's look at what's happening. Um, you know, so you got to start looking at, hey, that person's here more. Hey, that person showed some signs of, of spiritual life. Hey, that person, that kid isn't acting up in church as much as they used to. Hey, those parents seem like they're together more. Hey, there's more fellowship after church. People are hanging out longer. And so one of the things that I think it's important is that we look for those things. Again, I have tools that help you do that. And so again, I feel, feel free to reach out to me and I'll be happy to share those tools with you. Um, we often find uh, that the measure of success is in numbers. And again, um, I, I, I want to caution you as a pastor and even as a church member, if you think it's in numbers, I've, I've been in a lot of churches that have lots of numbers and, and, and I wouldn't even know if they're Christian. Um, you know, but at the same time, uh, you want people to be spiritually healthy. And you know, the average church in America is not very large. And so we have to be careful that we don't look at the flashes and the big, you know, buildings and go, oh, that's success. Now, at the same time, we don't want to negate their success and we don't want to not glean or learn from their success. You know, what do they do? What are some things they do? I, I stole a phrase from a pastor friend of mine. God, what are you inviting me into today? It's a great thing to tell people. Excuse me. It's a great thing to ask. It's a great thing to teach that God is inviting us into his work and his plan and his work of salvation for the for the world all the time. What a great deal. Also, we feel a great deal of competition. What, 
what does that mean? Well, I'm talking about the bigger churches. I have a little bit of the hiccups, so apologize for that. I'll try not to make an, an elf or an alf hiccup if you remember alf hey willie anyway so i'll be careful here kitty kitty uh i'm dating myself right when i say that but we have this competition we i get together with pastors on a weekly basis from our community and what do we talk about how many people were there at church how we're having a problem with all the kids because we don't have enough volunteers but it's a great problem to have because we're growing during covid right we're shrinking oh no right it's, so it's one of these things we go to to big pastors conferences and who gets the speaking gigs the guys with the two with the you know 500 to 12,000 person church and us little guys are like oh man you know uh, remember going to worship conferences for music and watching all these bands play at these large churches and all of them are paid musicians and they're really good. I'm like, hey, I'm barely a good musician and I've got a bunch of volunteers who are novices and, and you're set giving us this picture. And it's like, oh, wait a second. And so we have this, we, we struggle with being in competition and comparing ourselves. So just warn against that. Serve where God has placed you faithfully to the God that God, that he has entrusted you to. The people are important. Can we learn from those other things? Please do. Please do. But it doesn't mean you can replicate it. Again, uh, you know, some, a ministry that flourishes in one place, you can't take that and put it in another town and expect the same results. Um, it's not a formula, right? It's formation. And so you really have to pray about, Lord, what is the direction here for these people? And that changes. What is As people, new people come or people move away or they pass away, it changes the dynamic of the church. And so you have to go, okay, how do I serve these people today? Um, one thing that is interesting is that some pastors say that they're jealous of their church members. She mentions that in this article. And I found that true. Um, that, you know, sometimes you're like, man, I wish I could just come and show up to church and consume and uh, leave. Be great. Or if I'm like, man, I don't feel like going today. I'd rather go to the golf course. Uh, not feel like, uh, well, I can't because i got to do this. Um, I, I think that's interesting. Uh, I love what I do. But there is a certain amount of pressure that comes. I can't just attend church. I, I'll give you a little example. It's kind of funny. So I had a friend that gave me a hard time. He still gives me a hard time. Uh, when we first started becoming friends and he goes to our church and and we were over at their house on a Saturday night and it was like 7.30. Uh, we got in there like at four and I said, well, I said, we need to go to my wife. And he goes, what? It's only like 7.30. I said, yeah. I said, I, I said tomorrow's kind of a big deal. So I, I tried to get home early on, on Saturdays. He goes, so if we're going to hang out, we got to hang out on Fridays. I said, or Thursdays, you know. Uh, but, but but the whole point is, is that that as a pastor, and I encourage church members to do this too. I really encourage church members to do this. But I start preparing my mind and my heart and my body for Sunday morning on Saturday. I mean, obviously, I'm reviewing sermon. And I'm thinking about this all week. Um, but really, on Saturday, my, my my switch is I need to rest, downtime after after seven o'clock or so. Go to bed a little earlier. Our kids, we would tell them on Saturday nights, you can't go hang out with your friends on Saturday nights. This is what we're doing. Churches tomorrow. We got to be there early. So we need to go to bed a little early and just kind of calm yourself. So I encourage you to do that and, and then have expectation that the Lord's going to meet you. Um, and and uh, and it's difficult. He'll meet you if you're hungover. Um, <laughs> sorry. You know, whatever. Uh, so Sunday mornings are important. So I want to encourage you to, to uh, really... Uh, Pastors, don't be jealous of the church members who go to concerts the night before. You can go to the concert the night before too, but you know that might not mean that you'll be functioning very well the next day. 
Um, also, pastors struggle with their faith, and I think this is something that the church members assume that they are just these these heroes of the faith. They are these strong people in the faith. This is not true all the time. We struggle with our faith. We are just like the people that sit in the pews or in the chairs. We struggle with these things. We have a hard time at times. We we doubt. Um, we, we find ourselves in oppression at times, in depression at times. Uh, we find ourselves uh, apathetic at times. And so I, I really, we do struggle with our faith. So I encourage you as, as a pastor, have friends, especially other pastor friends that you can be vulnerable with and share this with them. And also church members pray for your pastors. Also, pastors carry the hurts of their congregations. I remember when I first went into full-time ministry, I was all excited. I'm going to play music all day. It's wonderful. Well, what happened was, you know, I was an assistant pastor, not just a music guy. And so I had to share some of the burdens of counseling and, and the problems with the church and things that were people were going through. And I remember after two months feeling completely exhausted. And some of it was the pace, but most of it was the emotional uh, burden that we bear and that we carry. And yeah, we give it to Jesus all the time, but the reality is I can't stop thinking about that spouse who just lost their husband in a car accident or even even out of natural death that was uh, that they weren't ready for or the suicide or the marriage that's in turmoil um, or the kids that are, that are causing problems to parents. I, I can't stop thinking about it and I'm praying for it and I'm thinking about it all the time. And I think that this this is something that, that, that congregation members need to understand, uh, that, that they carry the burdens not just of one family, but all the families represented in the church. So it's a big deal, um, and it's a problem. Uh, so we have to have strategies that we work on that. And then um, our deepest desire as pastors is that people would just fall more in love with Jesus. Uh, you know, I think that's just what I want. I want people to look to Jesus find greater joy in him than anything else that this world has to offer, be completely dependent upon God for everything, and that they would look to God's word and to him and him alone for everything. And so uh, anyway, a good little article here. Uh, we'll find one for next week, I'm sure. Uh, so anyway, again, if you like this, please hit the subscribe button, like it, uh, share it, please. I, I beg you, share it. Um, I think this is important information uh, for us to get out to pastors and to church members, and pastors need to know that I'm available. Church members need to know I'm available. If you would like to talk about the, the work that I do at other churches, if you have seminars or or conferences or speaking engagements that you think that what I do is, is, uh, is beneficial, please reach out to me and we'll work that out. Um, also, you can get a simple book that I wrote called Affirmed, Building the Positive Mental Health of Your Pastor. You can find that on Amazon, uh, Books A Million, ChristianBook.com, Barnes and & Nobles, and all your major retail outlets online, that is. Anyway, so, hey, together, let's help the churches flourish.